We are starting a new series uh, this morning, and uh, we ran out of creative words for our series, and so we just called this one Word. Um, that's not really why. Uh, we are actually starting a series in which we are longing to see every single person learn and love and live the Word of God just a little bit more. Our prayer is that we will see a movement that loves the word of God and turns around and lives the word of God just a little bit more. And in this series, you're going to see there are a thousand so compelling reasons why we want that to be true for each and every one of us. But one of the primary reasons we want this to be true is because Jesus says, it is one of the primary marks of being a disciple of his. If you were here last week, we, we leaned into, we hinted at this, but now we want to walk into this thought and this idea. One of the key and primary marks of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that you're a person who is learning and loving and living the word of God, let me show it to you. This is Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's about to head back to heaven. And before he does, he leaves his followers with his priority instructions. This is what I want y'all to focus on before I return. And this is what he says, verse uh, 19, chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Meaning what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we got to enjoy and experience some baptisms last week. And then he says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. One of the key roles of the church. Man. Is to help people go way beyond showing up and attending church services on a Sunday morning. And moving into that place where we learn and love and live the word of God on a daily basis. Because that's what followers of Jesus Christ do. That's one of the markers of being a disciple. You know you're growing as a disciple of Jesus because you are learning to love and live the word of God more and more. And, more. and we want to make sure that as a church, we are a movement that is not missing the priority order of Jesus. And that we are marked by this calling. Um, anyway, in thinking about where to start this series, uh, an incredible Jesus encounter came to mind that we're going to look at together this morning and I'm going to tell you if you've never ever heard or read the story we're about to look at I envy you oh man I envy you the, 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 the incredible opportunity of looking at this with completely fresh perspective and fresh eyes man congratulations on that um, but for the rest of us come on can we attempt to look at maybe a familiar story with a fresh set of um, here's a little bit of context. Uh, Jesus, the son of God, has lived in, in relative obscurity for about 30 years. And he's about to burst onto the scene and shake things up. Like forever and ever. And um, before he does that, he gets baptized. And right after he gets baptized, he steps into this encounter that we want to look at together this morning. Come on, fresh eyes. If you have a copy of the Bible, Matthew chapter 4. Uh, if you don't, the verses will appear up on the screen or down on the screen if you're engaging us virtually. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 1. And if you've been around here for a while, you know we're going to read and we're going to make observations. And then we're going to read some more and make some observations. So just be prepared for that whiplash. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
Okay, I just got to pause right here and say, I just report the news. I don't make it up because that's right there in the Bible. That one time when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the hands of the devil to be tempted by him. Ooh, the Bible's awesome, I'm just saying. And it reserves full rights to break your cute little theological box whenever it feels like it. What an incredible reminder. Like, hey, we've got to learn to just start with the Bible. To just read the Bible and be like, I guess it says that. I don't know how that fits in my cute little packets. But it says that right there. And we have to grow okay with allowing the Bible to reinterpret. To ruin and then reinterpret everything for us. Start with the Bible. Got to be willing to let your pretty little Jesus presuppositions, your cute little Jesus containers, just go. Because the Bible said something that maybe rocked your perspective a little bit. Because my Bible says right (laughs) the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted. I'm telling you, when you let the Bible just do its work and, and speak and, and reinterpret everything for you, your theology might, you know, it might make room for the possibility that you know, maybe, maybe it was the Holy Spirit who led you into the most trying and tumultuous season of your life the season you thought would break you the season you did not imagine you would make it out of alive maybe that was the holy spirit who led you there maybe maybe it was the holy spirit who held your hand and led you into that space where you experienced temptation that you could not see how you could possibly say no to and maybe it's still an area of struggle to this day and you've been blaming the devil for it the whole time maybe it was the holy spirit testing what you are made of because my bible says jesus was led into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by satan no no we learned in seminary um, that that's not, that's not supposed to happen. Because didn't Jesus pray one time, lead us not into temptation. So therefore, it says it right there. I mean, the Bible can't contradict itself because that will look bad in front of my friends. So I've got to figure out how this makes sense so I can answer all of the questions. Eh. How could the Holy Spirit? And I'm just telling you, as we step into this series and as we step into this story, well, we don't need to have the Bible make sense to you and fit into your cute little boxes. It doesn't all need to get resolved to acknowledge the fact that it says it right there. We must always be willing to let the Bible ruin and reinterpret our theological boxes. If we read something that doesn't fit, maybe it's time to get a new box. Or maybe it's time to just be done with boxes altogether. Verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. (laughs) Oh man, this is so rich. So Jesus has gone 40 days and 40 nights without food. And Matthew, the author of this story thinks it particularly profound to point out to us the fact that Jesus was hungry. I'm like, promise? Except I, I, I actually thank him for throwing in that little tidbit in the story. I read over the story. I'm like, thank you for throwing that tidbit into this story. Otherwise, we might be tempted to cheapen this experience by calling it a miracle. 40 days and 40 nights. It's Jesus. He probably had some like supernatural carb pouch like in his, his kidney. It's a miracle. It's Jesus. And no, Matthew wants us to know this was a feat of human Discipline. 
He was hungry. Matthew wants us to know that going 40 days and 40 nights without food did for Jesus what it would do for you. It was brutal. He was hungry. He was starving. Body was weak. His mind was vulnerable. His weight was down. He was, after all, human. So, um, at the end of this five and a half some odd weeks, the devil saw the perfect opportunity to trip Jesus up and just take him down before his ministry even takes off. The devil is really smart. I hate the number of times I'm going to give him props in church today. But he is really smart. And oh, he knows when you're hungry. (laughs) He knows when you are feeling most human. He knows when you are most vulnerable. And loves to come after you then. Which is what he did for Jesus. Because Jesus was hungry. Verse 3. The tempter came to him and said. If you are the son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. Ah, brilliant. That's brilliant. I hate to keep giving him props, but that's, that's brilliant. After 40 days and 40 nights without food, any idea how Jesus might be feeling? Well, thankfully, we don't have to guess on account of the fact that Captain Obvious, Matthew, told us Jesus was... Hungry. If Jesus was that hungry, what could possibly be more appealing to him than some food? Satan knows that, so he goes after his craving. He goes after his appetite. He goes after what Jesus would have wanted the most. Ooh. What's up, Jesus? Man, (laughs) you look hungry. Bet some bread sounds good right about now. And it did. Because he was hungry. Well, yeah, here's the thing, Jesus. I did not not bring any bread with me. Today, clearly, I can see you don't have any bread here with you. It would take you ages and ages To get out of this situation into civilization to a bread store. So, um, man, here are a couple of perfectly clean, nice, pretty stones. Turn these stones into bread. If, of course, you are the son of God. That's brilliant. Feed the craving, Jesus. Feed the craving. I know what you want. Feed the craving. Why would you wait hours to get back to civilization and hit up the bakery? When I know you have the power to speak to that rock right there, turn it into bread and feed the craving. Jesus, make yourself some bread right now. Perform a quick little miracle for yourself. Prove you are God. And while you're doing it, feed the craving. Without the weight. Because 40 days, you've got to really want some bread. This is brilliant. Verse 4, Jesus answered. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Oh, I see what you're doing, devil. I see what you're trying to do. But even after 40 days, this stands true. 
God's word matters more than my want. That's Jesus' response to the devil. God's word matters more than my want. Even after 40 days of not enjoying food. I see what you're doing. Satan is tempting Jesus to make his physical appetite, his physical craving, the most important thing. Especially after 40 days, Jesus, could anything be more important than this desire to feed the craving? But you've gone this long. What could you possibly want more than this? And Jesus' response is, hey, even after 40 days, God's word is more important than this craving. What God wants is more important than what I do. Such a powerful moment. There is still something more important than this ache. There is still something more important than this longing. There is still something more important than this screaming craving in my body. There is something so much more essential for life's truest fulfillment. There is something superior and more soul satisfying than bread. And it's what God says. And I'm telling you church, I'm just praying the spirit of God will do something in us and make the confession of Jesus the confession of his people. That God's word matters more than my want. God's word matters more than my want. Because the devil will work overtime to convince us that the things we most deeply desire ought to be the things that primarily drive the decisions we make. Our cravings, our longings, our passions, our desires, those are the things that ought to take priority, especially when you've held out for a while. And I pray that the declaration of our hearts will be the declaration of Jesus. It doesn't matter how long or when or what craving I'm experiencing, God's word matters more than my want. The moment we buy into this lie the enemy is trying to sell, we become slaves to satisfaction. And we become willing to do anything to have that inner sense of craving quenched. That's what I think Jesus was resisting. Uh, When Jesus came to earth, by the way, he voluntarily laid aside his right to exercise his divine power. Unless God said so. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own accord except what comes from my father's words. I only do what he tells me to do. But 40 days though, Jesus, 40 days... Why would you wait any longer when you can make it happen right now? You can take a shortcut to satisfaction right now. Turn these stones into bread. You are the son of God. You're telling me after 40 days, you're going to wait for his permission. You don't need his permission if you are the son of God. Satan is brilliant. And he doesn't pay attention to your needs. Can you even remember the last time he was sensitive to your longings and things you need? Just uh, create a profile. Just, Just create a profile right now. Just turn your computer into this dating experience. Your husband doesn't listen to you. I mean... 
After all these years, this craving to feel loved though that you're not experiencing. I mean, come on. You, why would you wait to get into the civilization of working on things when you can make it happen right now? Isn't being loved the most important thing? And I pray there'll be a declaration among his people. God's word matters more than my wants. And you've waited 18 years. Prom only comes around one time. And you're seriously going to wait for what could be a minimum of five years for that archaic institution called marriage when you could right now just make it happen. Man, you've been clean for four months. Four months, you've never gone that long. And all these stresses in your life, you have earned yourself just one hit. Feed the feeling. Feed the feeling. Satan is appealing to Jesus' physical appetites. I mean, you're feeling it and you're craving what you're going to wait for. Brilliant. It's been such a hard month, just... A little scratch on the forearm. Nope. What God says matters more than what I want. No matter how badly I want it. Verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. I'm going to just take a quick time out here and say, um, I'm fascinated by this. Again, maybe it's just because, again, I'm just a more interesting person than you are. But this fascinates me. Like, I read this, I'm like, I don't get it. Like, Jesus is like, no, devil, I shan't turn. The stone into bread. Nay! I go, okay. Want to go on a supernatural Uber trip to Jerusalem? Yeah, let's do that. I don't understand it. But I just report the news. Um, it says in verse 6, they go on a trip together. And then Jesus is standing at the highest point of the temple, says, if, if you are the son of God, he loves this, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. This move, though, is next level brilliant. Wow! Wow! He is good at his job, y'all. Wow. Okay, Jesus. Hmm. I can see that you are into what God says and whatnot. I'm down. Let's go with that then. This is brilliant. <laughs> if I can't get you with food, I'll get you with your faith. Satan takes Jesus to church and talks to him about the Bible. Brilliant. Well, the Bible says, uh, well, God said that he won't let anything bad happen to you. So do something reckless and make God prove it. I mean, if you are the son of God, that is. If you are the son of God, and if you really believe the word of God, like you say you do. I'm just saying. Jump, Jesus. What? You don't believe that verse? Jump. You said what God wants matters most to you. Well, God says 
in his word, don't you believe that he will do what he says? Jump, Jesus. But you want to see real brilliance? Verse 7. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Oh, come on. Jesus is brillianter. It's a word. Whatever. That's amazing. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. By the way, that is a powerful and timely word for the church. This response of Jesus, I believe, has so much healing locked up in it for so many of us in the church. See Jesus' response? His response to Satan is, yeah, but that's not all God said. We could pray and dismiss, and if we carry that phrase, it will revolutionize sections of our lives. Yep, but that's not all God said. This is so timely for the church right now because the devil has come after the church talking Bible. He's come after the church with these pillar verses. He's come after the church with these passion passages that we like to hold onto and we elevate to an incredibly supreme and superior status. Mm. You know? If you are really a child of God, you would know that the Bible says, fill in the passion verse. There is healing in the words, maybe so, but that's not all God said. There's power in that. Man, the number of people who have asked me, how can anyone who is a child of God, who is a Christian, vote for that side when God has clearly said? Interesting. Because, yep, but that's not all God said. Some of us have been tempted to jump off cliffs and leave churches and walk away from relationships because of one pillar verse. God said, I don't know how any, God said right here. So I'm going to jump on this one thing right here. The devil needs to hear the church say, that's not all God said. That's not all God said. Well, God, I mean, God can't do that because, you know, um, that person is, is, is a proud and bombastic individual. God says he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. True. God also says he's a defender of the fatherless. That's not all God said. Devil is so smart. (laughs) He will send you a cute boy who knows just enough of the Bible to be dangerous. Talking about, well, but the Bible says, God said that nothing will separate you from his love. So come on, girl. Give me a little love then. Oh! Well played. But that's not all God said. He also said, among you there must not be a hint of sexual immorality. 
I'm telling you, if we cling on to one thing like the devil wanted Jesus to do and we lose sight of some of the other things God has, that's not all God said. Don't try it. Yeah, homosexual immorality. That's not all God talked about. He talked about all sexual immorality. That's not all God said. <laughs> God said, wives ought to be willing to submit to their husbands. So submit, woman. <laughs> I feel scared just saying that. sweetheart but that's not all God said he also said husbands be willing to die for your wives do you really want to go down this path honey I'm good whatever <laughs> that's not all God said but the fruit of the spirit Amen. And also the gifts of the Spirit. That's not all God said. Man, this is why we want to see a movement of people who are growing to understand all God's word. All God says. Not just pet passages, not just passion verses. Teach them to obey Everything I have commanded you. One of the reasons we're ecstatic, by the way, about this new facility that God is leading us into is just the opportunities we have to more intentionally teach all that God has said. The whole counsel of God in more deliberate and more intentional ways during the week, not just on a Sunday morning. More and more and more arming God's people with what God has Said. In fact, next month, Pastor Jeff Gill is starting a, a class at our new facility um, called How to Study the Bible. How good is that? If you've never taken a course like this, or you need a refresher, get on the app right now, or get on our events page and sign up for this. We want to see disciples who are growing to understand what God says, so the enemy will never be able to derail us by taking one little thing God has said and making us build an entire world out of it. While we miss all of the other things God has said. I'm saying jump in on that. ASAP. If we're going to be able to tell the devil and that cute little shady boy, that's not all God said. We have to have a growing sense of what God says. Emily introduced this reading plan in the book of Proverbs. I'm telling you, these are not just things we do to have a little cute church situation on our hands. We want to learn what God says in the book of Proverbs. Like we learned what he said in the book of Acts a little while Ago. Man, my family and I are reading through the Bible this year. And I'm just telling you right now, we're not going to make it. Woo! <laughs> oh, man. Gosh. There's a check mark on whatever passage of scripture I'm currently reading. And then uh, this app takes you to the day you're supposed to be on. The amount of scrolling I have to do is sad. <laughs> Your passage technically should be today. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Nope, next, nope, nope, nope. I'm just saying I'm a little bit behind. Right now, I am reading the very fascinating passages of scripture about the very specific details about the high priestly outfits. <laughs> Why is this in here, Lord? Why did you put this in here? But I want to learn all that he has to say. He has a reason for that being in there. So spirit of the living God, would you bring to life this fabric and these weird stone names so that your purposes can be accomplished. I don't know what all of this is for, but I look forward to the day, by the way, when I'll be able to say to somebody, that's not all God says. He says, the Levite priest's outfits. I'm going to work it in one day. Just wait. I don't know when. 
but I will. I want to know all God said. Yes, God said he'd protect me. But he also said not to make him prove himself. That's not all God said. There's power, there's humility, there's unity in that phrase. That's not all God said. Then Satan takes his best shot. Again, I don't understand why Jesus keeps letting Satan Uber drive him around, but they go on another trip to a destination spot. Um, This time, a little higher elevation. Verse 8. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if... You will bow down and worship me. This is so interesting. Satan has pulled all the stops. And he says, you know what? Forget all of these side gigs. Let's just cut to the chase. I want you to choose me. I want you to pick me. I want you to bow down to me. I want you to call me your Lord instead of him. Choose me over him. And I'll make you a deal. If you do that, if you bow down to me, just one knee, Jesus. I will hand you the reins of these nations. You can have these kingdoms. 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is vulnerable. And Satan gives him this. Do you have any idea how appealing this thought would have been to Jesus? This is the big one. The very reason Jesus came to earth was to redeem and rescue the nations. From the powerful clutches of this guy right here. Because make no mistake about it. Satan is the prince of the world. He's referred to that way. It says about the devil that he holds a blindfold over the eyes of the nations, keeping them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Satan is saying, I know how much you love these people. I know how much you want to redeem them and be with these people. I'm just saying, for the small price of your worship, you can have them. Can you hear it? Why bear the cross when you can just bend a knee? One knee, Jesus. Why would we have to go to war in the pits of hell? In the heart of the darkness. When I can just hand it to you right now. Don't you want them? I mean, your father says he's going to give you all authority in heaven and on earth over these nations. But he's going to let you suffer. He's going to let you be tortured and separated from him. He's going to let you go to the cross, be rejected and abandoned. That's the price. I'm offering you a better deal, Jesus. No bloodshed, no pain, no rejection. Just take a knee and they're yours. 
everyone gets what they want. Man, isn't that one of the ways the devil comes after us? You can have what you want without going through pain. You can have what you want without having to be patient. Why wait? You can have what you want without experiencing the vulnerability. You can have what you want without, Lord forbid, working hard for it. Just take a pill. Do you know how many counseling sessions it will save you? Just take a pill. Don't think, just drink. Satan is the master of laying out shortcuts to what we want. I mean, isn't that what you want? Don't you just want to feel loved? Isn't that your thing? Don't you just want power? Isn't that what you want? Well, you realize that you can do it by simply... Just leave her. She's waiting. <laughs> Do you know how much therapy and working through it and listening to each other and praying together and like involving other people and people are going to be judging you and faking like they're praying for you but they're just gossiping and you, you could just leave, go out the exit door and you know she wants you. Just Let's make it simple. Why wait? Jesus said to him, all right, we're done. Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Get out of here with that. Yes, I want the nations. Yes, I love these people. But God has said nothing and no one is worthy of worship except him. I cannot bow down to any other. By the way, I found it really interesting that Jesus' response to Satan wasn't something like, yeah, but our plan for salvation is just a better plan. It's a, it's a superior plan. I, I really found it interesting that he didn't say no the cross is just the, the better path for salvation no jesus says i'm not gonna bow to anyone but god for any reason not even saving the world that humbled me man it took me down a couple of notches i'm not gonna lie because somebody needs to hear that if you're the only sinner on the planet jesus would still have taken the cross for you but we also need to hear that if Jesus had to choose between saving us and glorifying his father, we would be hosed. We ought to be careful, by the way, when you start making phrases like it's all about the gospel. No, it's all about the glory of God. And praise God that his glory just happens to be wrapped up in our salvation. But we ought to be careful not to put ourselves at the top of Jesus' list. The glory of God is first and foremost. And we get included in that. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to sell out for any reason. God and his glory and his glory alone. As we study his word. We'll soon see that over and over and over. The glory of God in the person of Jesus, in the rescue of his people. The glory of God is preeminent. The devil is passionate about dethroning God. Blurring his glory. Anything he can do to dethrone God. But unfortunately he knows he cannot literally dethrone God. And so his next best strategy is to pull all the stops in getting us to make something more worthy of worship than God himself. If he can convince you 
that whatever the thing is out there takes the priority. And by the way, just follow your checkbook and follow your time. And you soon find what is the thing that I may have agreed to bow down to and call God. Satan doesn't care what it is. He just wants us to bow to anything other than God. That's why you have heard us so fired up in the last year or so. Any moment it feels like the devil's strategy is winning or sneaking into the church. And that we are now believing like, man, we can have what we want. In fact, we can be protected from what we fear most if we are just willing to bow the knee to the right candidate. I hope the church always rises. Whoa, 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 whoa. We will bow to no other God but God himself. That's what Jesus says. It is written, there will be no other God but him. It is the first and foundational of the commandments. You will have no other God. Man, we want to know this book, y'all. Um, so that we can recognize imposter gods whenever the devil throws them to us and convinces us to worship them. And justifies it with one verse taken out of context. Well, doesn't the Bible say, so therefore bow the knee? No. I mean, but work is a way you provide for your family. And doesn't the Bible say, yes, it does say that. But the Bible also says. And whatever it says, glory of God, most importantly. He will throw things at you. Make your career the most important thing. Make marriage the most important thing. And I just can't wait. When I'm married, then my life all makes sense. Except talk to married people. <laughs> Verse 11, we need to wrap up. Then the devil left him. And angels came and attended Jesus. I love that verse. Amazing to see God send his grubhub to Jesus, courtesy of the angels, to take care of him. Someone needs to know, as we lean into what the Bible says, even in the most painful of all seasons, God has not forgotten your pain. God has not forgotten your patience. God has not overlooked your tears. God sees your waiting, and grubhub is always on the way. In due time. I will raise you up. I promise I will raise you up. Do not sell out in the meantime. Stand on what I've said in my word. I will deliver. I promise the enemy is going to try and get you to bail out before the Grubhub arrives. I need to stop saying Grubhub. I've never used it. I'm probably using it out of context. I love how this resolves. God sends angels to take care of Jesus. Of course he did. Of course he did. We wanted to start the series here. And all of this is really, I just want to make this main point. Um, we wanted to start this series here because I think this encounter just shouts a foundational truth for us. And the truth is simple. There is power in the pages. There is power in the pages. The whole reason I felt compelled to look at this story was there's power in the pages. I'm just asking you, if Jesus, the son of the living God, faced the devil and fended off temptation by quoting the Bible, there's power in the pages. And I pray that this will become the anthem and the instinctive response of the church of Jesus Christ. That whenever hardship comes around, or trial comes, or temptation comes, or difficult season comes, or happy season comes, that we will be quick to say, it is written. I love that. Turn stones to bread. Jesus, Jesus, why wouldn't you just tell the devil, I'm more powerful than you, and I pull rank, and I'm going to... He chose to say, no, it is written, and he refused. First to the scriptures because there is 
power in the pages. I don't know how you've been fighting temptation in your journey, in your story, but there is power in the pages. It is not about your resolution. It is not about the strength of your will. It's not ultimately about this accountability group that you're in. There is power in the pages and you better have an it is written for your temptation. So that when it comes screaming, you are able to say, yeah, I do want to fulfill these cravings, but it is written. And we can go back to this book. I don't know how. You are fighting your spiritual battle against the spiritual forces of darkness. But there is power in the pages. The devil doesn't care about your feelings. The devil doesn't care about your thoughts. Devil doesn't care about your research. There is power in the pages. If we're going to be victorious in this battle, we've got to know this book and call on it. It is written, devil, get out of here. His word has said we stand firmly on it. It is written. I don't know how you are fighting to see your marriage thrive and take off to become everything that God designed it to be. But I trust that you have an it is written to speak over the doorframe of your home. I don't know what you're speaking over your kids as a parent. But I trust that there is an it is written with which we are hedging our kids with destiny and protection. It is written. There is power in the pages. This isn't just something we come and we look at at church because it's cute and it's cool and so we read through it together. There is power in the pages. If Jesus rushed to this book, how on earth is a church going to survive, let alone thrive, by going or rushing to any other source than this one? And so you're going to hear us talk about, hey, we're studying the Bible together. Hey, we are reading through the book of Proverbs this month. That's not just cute. That is carb loading on power. You're going to hear us talk about how excited we are about the next frontier of our story as a church. Because we get to more intentionally arm people with what's written in the pages. I don't know what your relationship is with this book. But in this series, we trust that it will grow. You will grow to learn and love and live this book. There is power in the pages. And I pray that even today, somebody might find in these pages that the word to speak over your situation. Well, that's true, but God has said. And we stand on this and we fight as a family. God has said. And so I stand on that and I say no to temptation. God has said. It is written. There is power in the pages. We look forward to the next few weeks together. We look forward to the next chapter of our lives so we can grow together in these ways. And so spirit of the living God, may we run to learn the power that in the pages of the word of God. Help us to spend time in this book and let this book spend time on us. We want to follow after you. We want to follow after you. And we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who leaned into what you said in the pages of scripture. It's in your name we pray. Amen.